It doesn't take a global pandemic locking everyone inside for the best part of two years to change consumer buying habits, but it certainly does the trick. UK consumers have been more open-minded than ever when it comes to how, where, and when they shop, and they are flocking to fast-growing new ways to buy, whether that be click and collect or subscription models. Welcome to Retail in Focus, the Retail Systems Podcast. I'm Will McCurdy, Content Editor of Retail Systems, and today we're going to take a look at how the pandemic changed the game for omnichannel retail. The lines between physical and online retail have become increasingly blurred. Not only are physical stores popular spaces to pick up online orders, but they've also rapidly become an integral part of e-commerce fulfillment, acting as miniature warehouses or dark stores. This, alongside sky-high consumer expectations regarding delivery times and experience, means businesses are under more pressure than ever to ensure all their channels work smoothly together. As a result, retailers are turning towards how they can use technology to manage a unique set of challenges which the omni-channel model can place on stores and staff. To delve further into these challenges, as well as impossible solutions, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Steve Ross, uh, Global Omni-Channel Solution Principal at Aptos. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Steve. Great to have you. No, I always, I always really appreciate people who can spare the time for these. Yeah, well, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, it's a, a very interesting topic and uh, um, something I, I spend literally every single day uh, discussing with our clients or internally. So um, very glad to be here. So let's get going. So just to kick things off, I think it'd be good to start off with how would you define what omni-channel retail is? Sure. Start with the uh, start with the hard one. Uh, from from my end, as I, I talk to our clients, it, it's it's actually pretty easy to explain. If you think about the old days, all of the inventory for a retailer was in silos. Uh, you had the inventory in your DCs, and they may only service a geographic part of a a country or a region. You had your inventory in the stores, and those were all in silos, separated from each other, unless you did some crazy kind of transfer. But what Omnichannel does is it makes all of that inventory available in one big pool to your e-commerce customer. So it breaks down all of those silos so that as a retailer, you can fully leverage the inventory across your entire estate. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. Do you think that retailers in the current environment as it is, is today can realistically downplay or entirely avoid the omnichannel model? The, uh, I, I'm not going to do a consulting answer for that. The, the easy answer is no, uh, absolutely not. If, if this was two years ago and it was pre-COVID, you could say, you could say maybe. But uh, in, in the current world with what we've been seeing over the last 18 months is that leveraging that inventory across your entire estate is critical to being successful uh, in business. Like what we're seeing right now, at least in the United States, and we're seeing with some of our global customers is that, you know, DCs are just overburdened. Um, I'd say like 90% of the uh, DCs in the United States, from what I read, are at 100% capacity. And the remaining 10% are over 100% capacity. So you, you need the stores. You need your entire estate to be successful. 
So the short answer to that is no. Yeah, exactly, Steve. I mean, I know it's a, basically a cliche at this point in retail, but the, the pandemic did push things forward about five years. So a lot of trends which were, may not have come fully to fruition until maybe uh, a few years down the line were pushed forward very, very quickly by the pandemic. And I think the, the move towards the omni-channel model between using physical stores as a fundamentally important part of fulfillment, I, I feel that's a pretty good example of that actually happening. Yeah, our, our, our clients, uh, we hear over and over again that, you know, Omnichannel kept them afloat um, during the pandemic, that if it, if it weren't for being able to leverage the inventory uh, in their stores and actually being able to liquidate the inventory in their stores over time, they, they never would have gotten through uh, the last 18 months. And I don't see that urgency ever really going away. There's a, a great quote that, you know, once you get somebody used to doing something new, it's really hard for them to go back. And retailers uh, that we see are now very much hooked, if you will, on leveraging that store inventory in a way that they, they weren't before. And customers have really turned on to the new omni-channel uh, functionality in ways that they, they, they never did before in the past. Uh, exactly, Steve. So moving on from that, uh, why do you think the consumers gravitated so much towards the click and collect model or curbside delivery uh, over the course of the pandemic? Because it was easy. Uh, from, a, from a customer perspective, uh, you know, I'll use my own personal example. You know, my, my wife, myself, we really didn't want to go into a store during the, uh, the height of the pandemic. Being able to go to a, a grocery store and have the groceries waiting for you and just have somebody put them in your car uh, and being able to do that on my way home or on my way to do a, a, another activity was just too easy. Um, and I don't believe there are a lot of customers, especially in grocery, I don't think are ever gonna go back to wandering a grocery store aisle by aisle looking for things. Uh, they, they're just going to go in, they're going to have it put in their, the, the, the trunk of their car or the boot, and they are going to drive away. Uh, with retailers uh, in the mall, it's a, a little bit more of a dicier proposition. Uh, curbside delivery is a little bit harder to do because you're uh, reliant on the, the, the mall manager or the mall provider. Uh, but definitely being able to go in and do pick up in store, go in quickly and get out. Um, it, it's just, it, it's the easiest thing ever. And customers have grown to depend upon it over the last 18 months. And we think that they're, they're gonna stick with that going forward. Yeah, I mean, obviously the pandemic decimated a lot of retailers, but for the ones who are able to actually adapt to it and provide the service that was needed, a service that worked with social distancing and provided the ease of use which people really needed during the difficult time, you know, they really benefited. And sort of the popularity of click and collect is another good example of that really happening. Yeah, you just, it's the same for, for most retailers that if you kind of look into your crystal ball and you can look into the future, you know, what we're seeing right now in terms of the functionality with um, click and collect, curbside, ship from store, those are not new technologies. I set up some of the first 
buy online, pick up in store, click and collect, probably 15 years ago. Ship from store about 10 years ago. The, the only difference now is that those um, functionalities in omnichannel have just come into their own. But whereas before they were fringe cases uh, for most retailers, it was you know two, three, four percent of your business. And now for some retailers, omnichannel is literally it's almost half their business. So it, 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 as the song goes, it's a, it's a whole new world. And things did literally move ahead in time five years. So if you were planning five years out, you're in good shape. If you weren't, then you've got to hustle and scramble uh, to get yourself um, up to speed in this, in this brand new world. Yeah, because we, we talked to a lot of different retailers uh, from the UK and from further afield. And... A lot of them were facing the same challenges, but an awful lot of them were faced very different challenges. Those who were slightly more legacy focused and were very set in their ways in terms of their supply chain, their processes, the technology, um, anecdotally reported uh, a lot more stressful and a lot more negative experiences, but some were able to adapt to it a lot better. It was very much, um, a lot of the failures were very much of the retailer's own design. Uh, in terms of how forward-looking they were and how much they had that flexibility built into their business models. And I think click and collect, the click and collect omni-channel model, I think one of the reasons that's being so successful is because of the flexibility. Because, of course, over COVID, the regulations were changing. It seemed almost bi-weekly. Uh, people didn't really know what was going to come around the corner in terms of social distancing. And the flexibility, I feel, the omni-channel model was giving people is one of the reasons it was so popular. Exactly. It's, it, it, it's the, the fact that people have now discovered something that is easier, something that makes their life better. And I saw an interesting statistic the other day that, that at least in the United States, 40% of our uh, retail customers tried a new, uh, a, a new shopping method, a new delivery method over the course of the pandemic. And that is an unheard of, uh, unheard of statistic, at least what I've seen you know, over the course of my uh, 25 plus year career. You have people who had never done subscriptions who are now doing subscriptions on home delivery. You've got people who now just do curbside delivery on grocery, whereas a year or two ago, that was very much a niche thing just in urban markets because there was no parking. You go, you park in a parking spot, you get your car filled and you, you go away. Uh, for ship from store or fulfill from store, uh, for retailers, that has become critical because you've got to leverage that inventory that's sitting in your doors that, that might be closed uh, because of COVID or they might be open, but the traffic has diminished so much that you've got to do something with that inventory that's sitting in the store and leveraging that for e-commerce, as opposed to the walking customer who isn't there, is just the right thing to do. And if you set yourself up for that, you'll be successful. And if you haven't, um, you're going to be in those you know, old days of siloed inventory, and it's, it's not a good place to be. Yeah, exactly, Steve. So moving on, I think we've established the, the benefits which the omnichannel model um, has for retailers and, in fact, for consumers as well. But in terms of actually implementing it, 
Um, what's the biggest challenge which the omni-channel model poses stores? For stores, it's a redesign. Uh, you know, I used to run uh, retail operations for several different national retailers and stores are designed for walking customers. They're designed for somebody walking in the front door, you work them through the store, you help them, you know, work them into the fitting room and in the back and you uh, ring them up on the register. They are not designed as fulfillment centers. And what we see is that you've got to sit down and really think about how you want to leverage those stores. How much, um, how many orders do you want to take into a store? To, to work every order, it's 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, which is easy if you're getting two or three orders a day. But if you're getting two or 300 orders a day, it's a whole new labor model. So what I would say to retailers is think about what you want to do, be planful, and literally within every order management system, you can go through and you can control what you want to do by store. Um, you can say how many uh, ship from store or uh, fulfill from store orders you want to do. The, uh, the, the click and collect is a little bit different. That's driven by the customer. But what we find is that for every click and collect sale, uh, retailers are handling five to 10 fulfill from store sales through the store. Uh, that's really where the, uh, the labor is and where the planning needs to go. But be planful. Be very planful. That's what I always tell retailers. And don't be afraid to uh, change your plan. Um, it's very easy with Omnichannel. If something uh, is going wrong, you can, with a flip of a switch, um, lean back. And if things are going well, with a flip of a switch, you can lean forward. So don't be afraid, but be planful. Yeah, I really like the the term planful for this because you know, as, as as everyone listening to this knows, the store model, the conventional retail model, developed over hundreds of years uh, to a greater or less extent. I mean, obviously, it's changed over the past fifty years, but it's adapting to the new um, omni-channel model and things like click and collect. There's obviously something that's going to require thought and effort, and like you said being planful and that doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be um demonically difficult or unbelievably frustrating for organizations but it's definitely something that requires foresight logic planning the correct approach being planful as you said and and what i find with omnichannel is it's actually it, it's easier than the old-fashioned model the reason i say that is if if you need to do something in the in a store model and you have to go through and you have to plan the inventory you've got to go through and plan what's going to happen with the dcs you've got to go through and if you're going to build a new distribution center it's like a hundred million dollars and you know two or three years worth of work you don't need to do that with um, leveraging your store network leveraging your store network you can go through and literally turn stores on or off go from uh I'm only going to leverage 50 of my stores to 100 of my stores or 500 of my stores. And that literally is moving a toggle switch or sending a feed. So, you know, what I find in the omni-channel world is that there's a, a, a greater level of flexibility than I ever had in the old 
siloed world, um, we're making a change to your distribution network. It was literally a six month ordeal uh, to go through and make that happen. We would only make those changes twice a year. But with Omnichannel, you can tweak and change your network weekly if you wanted to. Um, you can have a strategy for holiday. You can have a strategy for Boxing Day. You can have a strategy for uh, back to school in Omnichannel leveraging uh, different stores and different parts of your network in a way that you never could in the, in the old world. But again, you need to plan it and think about it and, um, and, and work through it just like you would anything else. And to your point, Will, the current model took decades, if not 100 years to pull together. And today, we're really pulling it together on the fly. So as a retailer, don't be afraid to fail. Failure is going to be part of this. But learn from that failure and make the tweaks and changes that you need to be successful uh, in the future. With, with my clients, I always tell them, you know, I've made the mistakes, learn from my mistakes. Uh, so you don't have to uh, do the same thing that I did uh, 10 or 15 years ago. Because literally today, I still see retailers making the same sort of basic omni-channel mistakes um, that I made, you know, 15 years ago, setting up the first um, um, uh, BOPIS or the first ship from store uh, enterprises in the United States. So uh, a topic I think we've touched on a little bit so far, but could you go into some more detail about how modern retailers are using physical stores as part of their wider e-commerce fulfillment strategy? Yeah, that, that would be easy. Um, there's a, a few different ways you can come at it. Um, there's the kind of all-in model. Uh, a lot of retailers basically use their entire chain and they use their entire chain for fulfillment. Um, and they use them kind of equally. And that doesn't require a lot of uh, work or planning. It's just kind of turning folks on. Uh, other uh, ways to come at it uh, are you know, hub and spoke models and um, what I call mini distribution centers. The idea right now is that customers want product faster. They want they want same-day delivery. They want two-day delivery. And from a retailer perspective, that is like really hard to uh, provide. You can give two-day delivery with like three DCs in the United States. If you're going to do same-day delivery, you need eight DCs set up in the United States. But a retailer's got hundreds of stores spread across the country. So uh, you could set up 20 or 30 distribution stores, little mini distribution stores in malls that aren't that great. I've had a lot of what we call C or D level malls that don't get a lot of traffic uh, that aren't in the best locations. And you transform those. They still do front end retail work, but uh, for that walking customer, but probably 75% of their business, if not more, is filling e-commerce orders. So you set up one or two stores in, let's say the Metro London area. And with those two stores, you can get um, next day delivery uh, to a customer. Uh, you can do the same thing uh, in Edinburgh or in Glasgow. Uh, we do the same thing in New York or LA or Houston. And it's just leveraging your uh, network a little bit differently. So it's a mini distribution center model. Another model is what I call hub and spoke, uh, which is where you've got a, 
and you've probably seen this, uh, Will, you, you order from Amazon and suddenly you get six packages on your, uh, uh, on your porch. And that is just crazy. Customers do not want that many packages coming to them. Um, so what some retailers can do is a hub and spoke model. You take those six packages, you bring them into one uh, retail store, uh, might be that mini distribution center store, and you consolidate. And you put all six of those packages together, you put them into one package, and you can deliver that to a customer. And you typically do that in more urban markets. And uh, you can also get faster delivery time that way to the customer. So it's just a matter of uh, planning through, but we see uh, customers using kind of an all-in strategy, leveraging their entire network. Uh, we see uh, mini distribution centers uh, to get fast delivery, next day delivery. And then we also see hub and spoke models uh, to reduce the number of packages going to the customers. So that's really the three ways we see people leveraging their stores. Um, I think it's important that retailers use all of the models which are available to them. Because like you said, because of companies like Amazon, the expectations for retailers are sky high compared to almost any other industry in terms of customer experience. I mean, this is a very UK biased example, but in the UK, banks have very limited opening hours uh, between Monday and Friday. And that's something which consumers have just accepted. They've just accepted that they can't call their bank at, at 5 p.m. or at six, uh, six o'clock at night. And, but with retailers, because of companies like Amazon, they expect to be able to get an ex, like obscure products um, within practically 24 hours with yeah. the correct type of packaging, uh, with the correct delivery method, um, and everything to their liking. And that's just a level of expectation which you don't get in other industries, which is why I think the level of innovation does need to be just so high and so rapid and so quick compared to other fields, I think. Yeah. And to, to later on, Will, to your uh, uh, point, they want that, but they want it for free. They, they want, what we find is that the customer wants, they want same-day delivery, but they're not willing to pay for it. Um, typical same-day delivery costs, you know, it, it, it's about $15 in the United States. Um, I, it's more in uh, some European uh, countries that we've, we've worked with, but the customer is really unwilling to pay for that. So as a retailer, the only way that you can economically get same-day or, nec or next-day delivery is to go through and leverage your stores. Uh, if you're not leveraging your stores, there is no way that you will ever be able to uh, uh, deliver uh, same day or next day. And Amazon is seeing that too. They're going through and with prime uh, second day delivery, they're going through and just building distribution centers like there's no tomorrow. They've, in my, my city, they built two distribution centers in the last five years so that they can do second day delivery. Uh, and each of those DCs on average cost about $100 million uh, to put up. So it's a very expensive proposition for a retailer um, to do that through your distribution network, as opposed to being able to do it through a established store network that is you know, miles from your customer and has all the inventory that you need uh, to go through and deliver. So it's just from a, a retailer perspective, 
it's it's great economics and it's a great way to compete against Amazon uh, because for Amazon to do it, they they need to they need to build more distribution centers and invest more money. Retailers don't; they've already got the network built. And just further to that point, I think in the current retail environment, particularly in the UK, which we're mainly reporting on, is I don't think the lines of credit are available to spend uh, to invest a hundred million in a new distribution center anyway. It's uh, companies don't really have a choice but to use their existing no. networks. And no one, no one has that 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 level of capital. It, it, unless you're uh, uh, an Amazon or a Google, uh, no one has that amount of money either lying around or access to. You need to go through and um, leverage your stores. Because the, the other piece of all of this is that by leveraging your stores, especially for click and collect, is that you can drive additional traffic into your stores. Um, most of the retailers that I speak to, they, they love omni-channel, but they don't love the additional expense. They especially don't love the additional expense from order splits uh, from ship from store, but they really like um, click and collect because the customer is that logistics engine, if you will. They're coming in and they are picking the order up. So they're actually saving the retailer money. And then the other thing that they are doing is allowing them a chance at an additional sale. And most retailers that we work with are seeing anywhere between a, a 20 and a 40% conversion rate on uh, click and collect orders. So it, it's a great way to leverage omni-channel. And then it's also a great way to reduce expense. And it's a great way to get additional sales uh, from those customers who are coming into your stores to pick up their online orders. So it, it's the best of all worlds. And Amazon can't compete with that. So linking into that, um, how can retailers plan for all the additional store activity which uh, the omni-channel model brings? Again, got to go back to being planful, but most order management systems allow you as a retailer to say how much business you want to do. It's not like um, you turn it on and suddenly a thousand orders come into a store. Although that can't happen if you don't use the system correctly. But as a retailer, you can go in and say, all right, for my um, store in Notting Hill or my store in Marble Arch, I wanna go through and only handle 50 orders a day because that's all the labor that I have. So you can go through and set up those capacities, those max capacities by, um, by store within the order management system. So that allows you to plan payroll, allows you to plan activities and supplies and make sure that the store is able to handle that walk-in customer uh, with the level of service that, that she deserves. So there's that side. And then on uh, click and collect, the customer is gonna drive that herself. But what I find is that that click and collect customer is a customer for the most part who would have come into your store anyways. She's just doing the pre-purchase, if you will, online. And she's gonna go through and make that pickup with you um, in the store. So you know, what I found over the years is that you would have handled that customer anyways. So th the idea is that within the order management system, you can go through and meter the amount of business that you wanna handle 
And we're actually um, starting off with a customer right now. And we actually didn't have those switches turned on. And in the first day in 50 stores, they saw 6,000 orders come in for ship from store. So we tweaked those uh, dials, if you will, those capacities, and the levels are now at a much more manageable level uh, by store as far as what they can handle. But now they know how high is high. So now they're gonna start staffing up and bringing in labor uh, to handle up to six or 10,000 orders a day uh, by holiday. So um, moving on, so uh, a big topic in retail at the moment is providing these personalized experiences, particularly over the pandemic, uh, when people were spending so much more time online and were so much more receptive to these personalized experiences. But how, how can retailers use the omni-channel model to uh, provide these for their customers? Well, with click and collect, it, it's a lot easier. What, what I find is click and collect almost takes me back to, you know, the days when I started in retail, um, I, I started selling shoes and, you know, part of, part of my world was delivering that very personalized experience uh, to each of my, uh, my customers who came in. With click and collect, uh, what Omnichannel allows you to do is you, you know what customer is coming in. As a retailer, you should have the customer profile um, available uh, for that customer, especially if she's in a loyalty program or something like that, which should allow your stores to go through and say, you know, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing a pickup for William uh, McCurdy. Let's look him up. All right. Um, let's see if there's other items that Will might be interested in. And when Will comes to do his pickup, maybe we have a couple of additional items um, waiting for him uh, to go through and, and look at. You, you, you might go for the deal, you might not, but what we find is about half of the time, the customers go through and look, and that's a very low tech way to go through and uh, do personalization. On the high tech side, if you've got a, a CRM system, uh, you should be able to go through and link personalized offers to that customer when they come in. So. You know, I, I don't know about you, I, I'm an avid hiker. So I like when I go into REI uh, to do a pickup, they know that I'm a, I'm a hiker and they have a hiking deal uh, waiting for me when I come in. It might be uh, an, a Nalgene uh, bottle, it might be uh, some other uh, camping gear, but they've got a personalized offer waiting for me with that pickup. And I'd say myself about half the time, I go and buy something additional. So for a retailer, it's you know, really pairing that data that you may have in your uh, CRM or your customer relationship engine with omnichannel, especially around the pickup, so that you're increasing your chances of making that add-on sale on something that the customer wants. Um, because most of the time that customer is going to come in and he or she's going to pick up her purchase, and she's going to be out of the store in three minutes. So you've got to give her a reason to pause and look for something else. Uh, because, you know, 50 to 70% of the time, she's going to be in and she's going to be out um, in less time than the commercial break on a, 
uh, television show. So just just to move things to a close, um, do you ever feel that consumer behavior will move back to, to what it was like pre-COVID? No, no, we're in a, we are in a whole new world. Um, this is, this has gone on long enough. Um, you know, we're 18 months into the pandemic um, and it's, you know, parts of it and parts of the world are gonna continue uh, longer. And people's behaviors have changed. There is no, there is no going back. Um, the world of today is the world that we're gonna build on um, going forward. So if any retailer thinks that, you know, things are gonna go back to what they were in December or November of 2019, um, there, that's a pipe dream. So look at what's happening now. And again, just like the retailers who looked ahead four or five years and planned four or five years out have profited, profited and have done well um, through the pandemic. I think the, the retailers who look at what the world looks like now and what the world is gonna look like in another uh, five years are going to profit. You know, the, the the big change that I see is there's going to be a shift from what I call the omni-channel of stuff, which is all about inventory, um, that's been around for 20, almost 25 years, to more the omni-channel of data, which is going to be knowing you, being able to relate to you as a retailer across multiple touch points you know, in-store, online, social media. Um, that is kind of the next frontier uh, that we see at Aptos uh, in terms of omni-channel, while also still improving on the omni-channel stuff, which is around inventory and moving things. But that world is much more mature, and the omni-channel of data is something that we see just sort of growing. And that's where personalization comes in is people want that personalized experience and you need to leverage the data uh, to do that. But no, we're, we're never going back to 2019. Yeah, 2019 might, might as well be uh, 1920. Uh, literally, point. literally, it's, it's, it, 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 I never in my life would have believed that uh, it would have taken something like this, uh, a global catastrophe to move us into kind of the, a whole, a whole, it is literally a whole new world, um, but it, it is a new world and we need to treat it as such. Well, um, this is a, more of a slightly abstract point, but sort of a hundred years ago, it wouldn't have been unusual to go to um, the same store very frequently. You would know the store manager and he would uh, personalize the products for you. He'd uh, know sort of what cuts of meat you'd want, what mm -hmm. vegetables you'd want. He perhaps you'd have a personal relationship with him and he'd allow you to, to pay for goods in a buy now, pay later fashion. And I think maybe in a weird abstract way, we're kind of moving back towards that personalized experience sort of a hundred years later. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I tell people, you know, I, I, I'm a stitch fix uh, shopper and I see the personalization that you get from um, a retailer like a stitch fix. You know, I tell people, I'm like, that's just the same sort of stuff I used to know about my customers 
when I was in college, you know, I sold shoes on commission and I needed to know what you wanted. And that paid my rent. But the thing is that um, retailers can't do that today with people. They, they do it with data. And it is a much more, it can be a much more personalized experience um, than it's been. Um, but yeah, it's almost like it's going back to the future. I have to admit you're entirely right. So um, just to think, bring things to a close, I think that's been a really good podcast for listeners. We've, we've covered a lot of different ground, a lot of different points, but hopefully they'll find it valuable. And I certainly did as well. So thanks for sparing your time to come on, Steve. And um, just, just one more question. If our listeners would like to find out more about Aptos, uh, where would you send them? Two places. I mean, you can go to aptos.com, um, our, our website, or you can send an email to omnihealthcheck, all one word, at aptos.com, and we'll get back to you. But uh, more than happy to help our uh, clients or potential clients uh, move through this omni-channel journey. It's a uh, it's it's really interesting. It's always fun, and it's uh, it's 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 different. So, I've been doing this for you know 20, 25 years, and it it it's it's never the same. Yeah, and it's it's a journey, and it's a constant evolution, as as you've highlighted, and it's one that's uh, certainly not over that. So, on that note, uh, thanks again for your time, Steve, and I'll hopefully see you again soon.